Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us as we get started at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Thursday, the ninth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. We are loaded up uh, today for you. i uh, got a lot of really great conversations that we are going to have with some very important people, and no conversations, dare I say, are more important than the ones that I will have with you. 216-901-0945. Remember that. You matter a lot. I want to hear from you. If you are in the habit of just sitting and listening, that's okay, because I do have a lot of things that I need to say, but I really would like to listen sometimes as well. So please, if you have never been a caller to this program or any, any other program, maybe you're a little intimidated about going on live radio, please, Cast that aside. I want to have conversations with you. First-timers go to the front of the list, by the way, when we have phone calls. Uh, so uh, make sure you let our screener know that you are a first-time caller, and we will give you priority. No disrespect to the veterans, but uh, we do want to make sure that we get some new voices uh, that we can hear as well. So 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here and on the radio. If you still don't want to do it by phone, and you want to be heard, you can send messages to me on Twitter and on Facebook and on Parlor at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, France Radio, all one word together, no spaces and no underscores. Okay, our guest today, like I said, we're loaded up. Coming up in about uh, 25 minutes, we're going to talk with Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer runs Jihad Watch. He is one of America's foremost experts on the Middle East. We will talk about our Iran policy going forward. Very much looking forward to talking to him. He's uh, been in ill health in recent months, and uh, he has recovered enough because I've reached out to him. 
in fact, uh, a couple of times to come on with us, and he has not been able to do so, but he is uh, on the mend, recovering, and that's great, and uh, looking forward to tapping into his expertise. So Robert Spencer, founder of Jihad Watch, and, and by the way, I should just kind of throw this out there. When I talk, when I say one of the foremost experts, when I said that about Claire Lopez, I gave you some of her creds, right? Some of her credentials, her bona fides, if you will, uh, depending on how you like to pronounce that. And uh, I mean that about Robert Spencer as well. This guy isn't just trusted by me. Robert Spencer is trusted by the government. Robert Spencer has led seminars on Islam and jihad for the FBI for the CENTCOM, United States Central Command, for the U.S. Army Command, and the General Staff College, the U.S. Army's Asymmetric Warfare Group, the Joint Terrorism Task Force. You getting me, you getting me here? The Justice Department's Anti-Terrorism Advisory Council and U.S. Intelligence Community. He has discussed jihad, Islam, and terrorism at a workshop sponsored by the U.S. State Department and the German Foreign Ministry. In other words, nobody knows this better than he does. Um, I said that about Claire Lopez, too, and I, uh, and I stand by that. I really do have the very best. I have access to the very best minds when it comes to the Middle East, our relationship there, our history there, our strategies for our future there, as well as for Islamic Jihad uh, in general. So Robert Spencer at uh, 935, looking forward to that conversation. Then at 1010, our regular visit each week with uh, Dr. Everett Piper, and I'm looking forward to that conversation this week because Dr. Piper is going to go off. He's got a few different things. Uh, he is also going to talk about radical Islam and why it is that they they continue to attack, target, and kill um, people of faith, of other faiths around the world, and what it is that we can and should be doing about that. What I mean is radical Muslims continue to kill Christians and Jews around the world. It is the only faith that is doing that in the name of their faith. Um so we're going to talk to Dr. Piper about that. Also, Dr. Piper wants to have a go at Hollywood. Ricky Gervais had a go at him on Sunday, as you know, and Dr. Piper actually wrote his column last week before Ricky Gervais took Hollywood apart. And he wrote it for the Washington Times. He'll tell us why at 1010. Then at 1035 today, Bob Paduchik is going to be joining us with the uh, RNC, and Bob Paduchik is going to tell us about uh, the trip tonight, that or to, uh, the uh, today, rather, uh, later on this afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, uh, that President Trump is making to the Buckeye State. He will be about a 90 minute, well, from Cleveland, about, uh, two, two hours, uh, west of us in Toledo. And, uh, big rally, big Keep America great rally tonight. Bob Paduchik will talk to us about that. So three big, great guests today. I want to have conversation with them and I want to have it with you before, during, or excuse me, not during, before and between and after those conversations. So again, 216-901-0945. Alright, I want to dive into the, the simple fact of the matter that can no longer be denied. It can't be ignored. Democrats, at the highest levels of, of our government, meaning in the Congress, in our Ohio, or excuse me, in the United States House of Representatives, Democrats, quite simply, have decided that they are pro-Iranian, Iranian, to be more correct in my pronunciation. They are pro-Iranian and they are anti-American. There is really no way to couch this any longer. I can't, I can't, you know, try to soften that a little bit. I just can't. Because when you listen to them, uh, they are making it impossible to think anything else. They side with Iran not with Donald Trump and the United States of America, and every day they make public statements that contradict 
America's position that criticize and condemn our commander-in-chief and thus our military and thus our actions. Every day that they do this, they embolden the enemies of the United States, both in Iran and in other uh, places around the world. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Ilhan Omar, I call her Representative Jihad Omar because that is what she represents, tweeted after the um, uh, strike against Soleimani, we are outraged the president would assassinate a foreign official. There's that word again. Complete lie. It is not an assassination because Soleimani was not a statesman, not an elected official. He was a military man. He was a general in charge of the Quds forces as a uniformed military man, especially on foreign soil, waging war against another nation, and in this case, the Embassy of the United States of America, that's us, uh, a military man was killed in the course of that battle. It is not an assassination. But she says, we are outraged. The president would assassinate a foreign official, possibly setting off another war without congressional authorization, and has zero plan to deal with the consequences. But, of course, you know that. And, of course, we found out yesterday from the president of the United States himself in his statement that there's nothing that could be further from the truth. President Trump yesterday said, essentially, paraphrasing, Iran is standing down after they lobbed their their failed missiles uh, into Baghdad and into various parts of Iraq, trying to target American uh, bases and coalition forces, as well as American forces, failing at every turn, striking no one, that they're done. And that we are done as well. We seek peace with Iran the way we seek peace with everybody around the world. However, we will continue to be A, vigilant and on guard militarily and able and willing to respond on a moment's notice to any sort of aggression. And B, we will continue to seek peace through economic sanctions that, quite frankly, must cripple Iraq's, or Iran's rather uh, government. The Islamic Republic of Iran, dedicated to jihad, must change its behavior, the president said, to have these sanctions that are already crippling them and are now going to get even worse to have them lifted. That's how we seek peace, not through war, through sanctions and through the threat of war or the threat of military response that they simply cannot and are not equipped to face. The president absolutely had a strategy. He didn't walk us to the brink of World War III. He did a a very targeted pinpoint strike in response to aggression, actually a series of aggressive acts by the Iranians, targeting and killing a a U.S. uh, contractor and injuring others prior to that. Of course, they attacked the uh, Saudi Arabia uh, and their oil uh, uh, export. They attacked the tanker in the Straits of Hormuz. They attacked... Uh, in, in so many other ways. They took down an American drone this past summer. They had all kinds of aggressive actions that we did not take any military action as a result of. Finally, when they went after our embassy in Baghdad, it was a bridge too far, and President Trump struck. He absolutely had a strategy. We are not putting boots on the ground. We are not returning to the draft. We're not invading Iran. We're not engaged in nation-building or regime change. We are simply doing what is necessary to protect American lives. And while we do, Democrats like Omar 
and this piece of work. Representative Pramila Jayapal, who literally, with the rest of the squids and a few other members of their progressive caucus, went on national TV yesterday and gave aid and comfort to the enemy of the United States, the Islamic Republic of Iran. Um, Let me begin by saying that I think all of us are very relieved that at this point it appears there are no uh, casualties of American lives or our coalition partner lives. But I think it is extremely important to remember first how we got here. And I'm just going to make four quick points before turning this over to Representative Pocan. First, this is the result of reckless actions by President Trump of military brinksmanship. President Trump recklessly assassinated Qasem Soleimani. He had... Liar. Lying piece of anti-American traitorous filth. Filth. Jayapal, Omar, Talib, and the rest of them. Pro-Iranian, anti-American, treasonous filth. No evidence of an imminent threat or attack. And we say that coming from a classified briefing where, again, there was no raw evidence presented that there was an imminent threat. He did not have any congressional authorization. He did not need your input, you lying piece of traitorous filth. We have congressional authorization to be in Iraq, to defend ourselves and to help defend the Iraqi government. We absolutely have congressional authorization to defend ourselves against threats posed by foreign powers, including Iran and including Soleimani, you lying piece of anti-American traitorous filth. Or uh, provide any notification. He conducted this attack with no consultation of our regional partners or allies. And in doing so, he endangered the lives of Americans in the area and here in the United States. You mean like the Americans who were already killed by Soleimani right before Christmas? You mean like the lives of people in the embassy that were attacked, that was attacked in Baghdad? You mean those people? I cannot state this with any more clarity. Today's Democrat Party hates, capital H-A-T-E-S, hates the United States of America. No equivocation. No ambiguity. This is not hyperbole. I listened to those anti-American traitorous pieces of filth come to the microphone yesterday in a press conference, one after the other after the other, and listened to that to them give aid and comfort to the enemies of the United States, apologizing to a murderous terrorist-sponsoring regime that is hell-bent on wiping the United States out and wiping Israel, our cherished ally, just a stone's throw from where they are, off of the map. Giving them aid and comfort. Apologizing to them for the 
and again, this is a lie, assassination, they called it, of their general and the chief sponsor of terror, the sadistic Qasem Soleimani, who right now at this very moment is roasting over an open fire in the pits of hell. And they are, are, are saddened by the fact that he is gone. And they are angry at the man who sent him there, President Trump. This is no longer a matter of we all side with America. We all are patriotic, but we just have different views on how to get there. This is no longer the case. They are openly harming the United States by condemning and criticizing the commander-in-chief who took lawful action to help protect this country and our citizens around the world. They hate America. There is no other explanation. We'll be right back. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority. Nine twenty-seven. The Bob Brant's authority continues. Don't forget, Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch joins me at about nine thirty-five in just a few. Before we go there, though, uh, tomorrow, um, what might be the movie of the year is opening up. It's uh, it's nineteen seventeen. If you are, I talked about this yesterday. If you are a um, a military buff, a military history buff, or just a history buff, and if you like war movies or any combination of those things. This is being called, in fact, let me play this, because we've been playing this uh, this uh, uh, ad anyway, because uh, I think it references the movie that I would best compare to. The best picture of the year is 1917, Raves Forbes magazine. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. It's a soaring tribute to heroism that's both epic and intimate. We need to keep moving! The best war movie since Saving Private Ryan. There is only one way this ends. Lost Man Standing. 1917. Rated R. On- and it starts tomorrow uh, nationwide. And uh, and that means here, and I can't wait to see this. Um, the, the What I wanted to reference there was the Saving Private Ryan. The realism that Saving Private Ryan... Uh, gave to people as far as the horrors of war, especially the opening scene and the storming of the beaches, uh, particularly in Normandy, but uh, all across that French coast. It was it was simply a slap in the face of reality of what war is. The only thing that makes this movie different, and and I've seen enough of it, uh, the trailers, and uh, they had a media screening, is that the the story surrounding the horrors of that war of this time the world war 1 as opposed to saving private ryan world war 2 is a true story the private ryan story was fictional for the purposes of telling the story of the horrors of normandy and the heroism and so on and so forth but private ryan wasn't real you know who is real lance corporal Schofield and lance corporal blake british soldiers in world war 1 this is the true story of the 1917 uh uh world war 1 uh, when the when the war was literally at its peak, you know, when 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 the situation was at its most dire, 
Uh, they were in northern France, these British soldiers, and they were given orders in a race against time. They had to cross through enemy territory to deliver a message to save 1,600 of their, of their comrades, including Blake's own brother, from uh, sure slaughter. They were attacking what they thought was a retreating German force, but all they did was they went actually behind the Hindenburg line and were waiting in ambush. And if the attack was carried out the next morning, as planned, they were walking into certain death. Uh, the trench warfare of World War One has never been really put on film before, quite like it is with this film. That's why it's a Golden Globe winner uh, for Best uh, Drama Motion, motion Picture, and uh, Sam Mendes won Best Director in 2020. Just a, an amazing uh, uh, epic that I'm looking forward to, and I hope you are as well. Uh, all right, it is 930. Uh, let me get to the news, and on the other side of that, we're going to talk about avoiding war. And that's what the President of the United States was trying to do when he killed Soleimani, and then chose yesterday to announce we are not going to escalate even in response to the Iranian missile strikes in Baghdad and other parts of Iraq targeting coalition forces and bases. Uh, we are trying to avoid war, not start war. And uh, Robert Spencer, uh, the founder of Jihad Watch, is maybe one of the most foremost experts in the world, certainly in the United States, on Iran, on Islamic Jihad, and on the Middle East. And he will give us our stra- talk to us about our strategy going forward right here on 1420 The Answer. Nine thirty-five. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks for being with us. I want to go right to our guest, as promised, uh, because um, we have a lot to, uh, that we need to ask Robert Spencer. And uh, first of all, Robert Spencer, founder of Jihad Watch, thank you for coming on. How are you this morning, sir? Just great. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I, I don't want to embarrass you, but I um, I ran through this uh, at the top of the show when I was uh, teasing the guest list today. Uh, and I want to run through it again, even though it may be a little bit embarrassing, because uh, I want people to know when you speak, uh, the authority that you command. Uh, you have led s- seminars on Islam and Jihad, and this is right from Jihad Watch. For the FBI, the U.S. CENTCOM, the U.S. Army Command, General Staff College, the U.S. Army's Asymmetric Warfare Group, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, the Justice Department's Anti-Terrorism Advisory Council, and the U.S. intelligence community, you've discussed jihad, Islam, and terrorism at a workshop sponsored by the U.S. State Department and the German Foreign Ministry. Now, I ran through that fast because it takes a long time if I read it at a normal pace. But the point is, if the U.S. government and if the U.S. military and our top war strategists and our top security strategists uh, in the U.S. and around the world listen to you, then perhaps we ought to listen to you and pay attention to things that you have to say. So with that, uh, Robert Spencer, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise with this audience. Um, all right. Much. Uh, no, um, it, it's it's an honor. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's dive into uh, yesterday's statement by President Trump, and I want you to talk about what this means going forward. Now, and we'll talk about Soleimani too. Uh, you know, we'll kind of do this in reverse chronological order. Yesterday. The president said that it appears that Iran is standing down. They fired their little missile brigade at us. They're, what, 11, 15, or whatever it was, a dozen or so missiles. None of them did any damage. There were no casualties. And it looks like they are now stepping down or standing down. Their foreign minister went on Twitter to say, we have completed our response, and uh, we wish uh, no escalation, but we will be prepared to defend ourselves. President Trump said, accordingly, we also seek peace with Iran. So all of these threats of World War III and a ground 
ground invasion, et cetera, et cetera, were all just nothing but fear-mongering by the American left. He says, we don't want to do anything, but we are going to increase the sanctions on them to change their behavior so they don't act in any uh, aggressive ways going forward. So let me ask you your opinion based on the the regime, based on the mullahs, based on the ayatollah and what they are trying to accomplish. Is this the best strategy going forward, standing down militarily but stepping up economic sanctions? Yeah, there's no doubt. The economic sanctions are making the Iranian economy scream, and this is what everybody should be hoping for, because the people in Iran understand that the sanctions are not directed at them. The sanctions are directed at the regime. They want the regime gone. They understand that the regime has squandered the billions of dollars that Barack Obama gave it on jihad terror groups around the world instead of taking care of their own people. And so the stepping up of the sanctions will lead the Iranian people to increase the pressure on the regime, and that's all for the good. Can the Iranian people do anything, though, as they put, quote-unquote, pressure on the regime? Because every time they try to do that, and we saw this over the the last several months, uh, whenever there are protesters and they're fighting for freedom from the oppression of the regime, uh, the regime crushes. Uh, They they come down uh, with, with a very heavy hand. They take people who are considered to be dissidents. They throw them in prisons and torture chambers and worse. They shut down the entirety of the Internet uh, in uh, um, in Iran so that they could not coordinate their their protests and their actions against the regime. So uh, are the people of Iran capable of doing anything against this uh, authoritative regime? Yeah, absolutely, Bob, very much so. Uh, We should remember in that context that the Soviet Union looked just as invincible and just as repressive against all dissent, and it fell. The Berlin Wall came down. Totalitarian regimes ultimately cannot stand against the people who want to be free. And the, the, Iranians, um, the, Iranian, the Iranian mullahs understand that very well. The Ayatollah Khamenei recently notified his high command that the regime was in desperate straits and ordered them to crack down all the harder on the protesters. But ultimately, th- this is going to be a futile enterprise because they have turned their own people against them to a tremendous degree, and they're not going to be able to stand forever. Robert Spencer is our guest. He is the founder of Jihad Watch. He is uh, one of the foremost experts on the Middle East, on terror, on jihad, on Islam uh, in America today and maybe around the world. Uh, I want to go back to the sanction question. Uh, the president is stepping up those economic sanctions. You're saying that is absolutely the right thing to do. Ilhan Omar, I call her Jihad Omar, but Representative Jihad Omar says that economic sanctions are uh, or, 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 uh, uh, tantamount to war. She said economic, uh, economic sanctions cost lives, cost medical care, et cetera, et cetera. So you're saying you're trying to de-escalate, yet you are taking these actions which will kill Iranian civilians, uh, and so therefore this is an act of war. And, Robert, what I want you to comment on, though, is how that compares to Ilhan Omar's support for sanctions on the nation of Israel. She is a strong proponent of BDS, boycott, divest, and sanctioning the Israeli government. So how are sanctions uh, an act of war in one case, but uh, um, uh, perfectly acceptable in another? Well, it's because they're an act of war. And because Ilhan Omar uh, thinks that, then it puts into context her opposition to the state of Israel. She wants the United States and the world to go to war against Israel and destroy it. 
And so she is being actually, in a paradoxical way, entirely consistent. She sees sanctions as an act of war. She hates Israel, so she wants sanctions against Israel, and she doesn't want them against Iran because she shares much, much the same values that the Islamic Republic's leaders share. That's a very great point. That's a great point. She does see economic sanctions as an act of war. It's just that she doesn't want war on Iran. She wants it on Israel. She's siding with Iran, which brings me to this question. It has been said by me and many others that yesterday's press conference in which the Progressive Caucus of the Democrat Party in uh, in uh, the, the House one by one went to the microphone and attacked Donald Trump and attacked the United States military, calling the killing of Soleimani an assassination of a, of a, of a, one of the, the Iranian state's leaders, uh, and that it was illegal and that it, it was intended essentially to take us to the brink of war. Um, is this not giving aid and comfort to our enemies when they, when they go on national television and side with Soleimani saying he shouldn't have been killed, side with the Iranian regime and actually attacking the Americans and especially President Trump, uh, who took this terrorist, uh, leader and top strategist for the Ayatollah down? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's the very definition of treason. Uh, and Ilhan Omar saying, that Iran could target Trump's hotels, which Iran has never said that they would do. It's, it, it, he's there, she's giving them advice on how to pursue their war against the United States. And both the uh, Democratic leadership and Omar in particular, that, that's absolutely treason. But of course, in the current climate, uh, there's no way that it could possibly be prosecuted. But Americans should be aware that what we have is a massive and very powerful trader class in the United States today. Robert Spencer, can you define for us what the Iranian regime's long-term goals are? And I ask that with this as a kind of a, uh, uh, a, a, a setup. Geraldo Rivera was on Fox News and has been on Twitter praising the Iranian regime for their restraint, saying that their uh, missile strikes in, in Iraq, uh, targeting coalition forces in U.S. bases but not killing one, is an example of their restraint because they don't seek war, they seek peace. Now, that bit of lunacy and insanity aside, um, can, can, uh, praising and, and giving kudos to a nation that has been attacking Americans and attacking American interests and allies for the last 40 years or so uh, is just, just insane. But can you kind of put that into context with the larger goal of what Iran really wants to do, uh, especially as some suggest that it's our fault that they strike out at us anyway for, because of our presence in and around their nation in the Middle East, that if we just back off and we pull of all of our troops and our bases out of there, uh, that uh, the Iranians will leave us alone? Geraldo's statement is absolutely ridiculous. And it demonstrates that he doesn't really have the slightest idea of what the Iranian regime is all about. As a matter of fact, several years ago, the, a very high-placed Iranian ayatollah said that death to America is not just a slogan. It is the raison d'etre of our entire regime. It is the goal of the Islamic Republic of Iran, death to America and death to Israel. They chant this. And not only do they chant it and require the Iranian people to chant it in the mosques every Friday, but it is the guiding principle 
by which the Iranian government is ordered and to which it is devoted. That is what they're all about. And you can see that in all the things that they get involved in around the world. Iran uh, funds Hezbollah, Hamas, and Islamic Jihad. Hamas and Islamic Jihad are Sunni, whereas Iran is Shiite, which is an indication of their, de- their uh, determination to join up even with people that they oppose and detest in order to destroy Israel. Hezbollah is active in northern Mexico working with the drug cartel. Why? Because they want to bring about death to America. And so these things are uh, very, very clear in showing that if we backed off in the Middle East and did everything that the Iranians demand in terms of withdrawing and reducing our presence there, it wouldn't change a thing. They would still be chanting death to America and still be coming after Americans and Israelis. But we were told that they only started chanting death death to America after we killed Soleimani. Trump made them hate us and want death to America. This is right. I mean, this is what we're told by the media. This is what we're told by the Democrats uh, leader. And I'm not just talking about Democrats down at our local uh, places of business. I'm talking about in Washington, D.C. Democrat leaders are telling us that Trump made Iran hate us and want to strike us now. And any, anything that Iran does against Americans now is his fault. They completely ignore the last 41 years of history. If you go back to 1979. Yes, they do. And not only that, they completely ignore the fact that even on the very day that the Iranian nuclear deal that Obama had put so much store into, uh, that the very day it was concluded, the Iranians were chanting death to America. It never changed. And I remember no covering... I apologize. I remember covering this and talking about it on the air as Kerry had these uh, these uh, negotiating sessions with the Iranians when they would take breaks from the negotiations with the Americans and the others, uh, the other signatories of the um, of the what what would become that deal. They would go out to the balcony and join the throngs in chanting "Death to America" during their breaks, and then come back and sit down with Americans and say, "Okay, now how much are you giving us again?" Uh, it, it, it's insanity. It is. It's, it's insanity and it's deception on a massive scale by the Democrats. They're just counting on these, uh, the, the short memories of the American people and the deception and dishonesty of the establishment mainstream media in covering up this kind of thing. Uh, the fact is that the Obama uh, nuclear deal was never bringing peace to the Middle East, never pacifying the Iranians, never ending their nuclear or genocidal ambitions. And the whole thing was a deception from the start to finish. Robert Spencer is our guest. I've described him as one of the foremost experts on Islam and on Islamic terrorism uh, in America. Uh, As I've said before, the U.S. military and the U.S. government listens to him. We should as well. Can you make, in as brief uh, uh, and simplistic uh, a manner as possible, make it clear to us, uh, the difference between Shiites and Sunnis and what we have more to fear. Because I've always, uh, every time I hear, you know, we're talking about the Islamic uh, Republic of Iran is, is Shiite as far as the regime. I go back to when we went into Iraq in 2003 to depose Saddam Hussein, who is a brutal terror-sponsoring Sunni. So we've got Shiites who are terrorists. We've got Sunnis who are terrorists. we got uh, uh, on whom do we, uh, or in whom do we place our trust and should we, uh, should we uh, align ourselves with? Or does it vary from battle to battle and, and lo- uh, region to region? Well, not region to region, but nation to nation in the region of the Middle East. 
Yeah, it does vary because it's based on pragmatic considerations, not on anything that's rooted in Islam itself. Both Sunnis and Shiites agree that they should that Islam teaches that they should wage war against and subjugate infidels under the rule of Islamic law. The only differences that they have are over who should be the leader of the Islamic community. That's the whole thing. On doctrine, they don't disagree. And so Iran is a jihad threat, and the Sunni jihad groups are jihad threats in the same way. When the Iran-Iraq war waged for eight years in the 1980s, um, was that straight up Sunni versus Shia uh, based on what you just said on the leadership? Yes, absolutely. It was just a Sunni-Shiite turf war, the kind that we have seen for 1,400 years in the history of Islam. Are there? But there is some unity now, though, right, between the uh, Iraqi government and the Iranian government, because, again, these Iranian-backed militias are the ones responsible for killing the contractor and wounding others for attacking the embassy, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the Iraqi government, even though we went in and liberated the Iraqi people and tried to help them install a democratic government, uh, they are open to allowing, uh, and, and for crying out loud, last week, they were, excuse me, two days ago, uh, those were rockets, or excuse me, those missiles were fired from the sovereign state of Iran into the sovereign state of Iraq, for crying out loud. So apparently there is coordination and collaboration. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and that's because Iraq's government is Shiite. Iraq is 55% Shiite, Iran is 99% Shiite, and so when we toppled Saddam Hussein, who was Sunni, uh, and held elections, it was inevitable that the Shiites were going to win because they had a plurality of the people in the country, and everybody voted by tribe and religious affiliation. And so the Shiite government in Baghdad has become progressively more and more of a satellite of Iran, and that's because of their shared Shiite identity. This can be a bit of a loaded question as we wrap this up then, but many... Uh, people in the United States of different political ideologies have suggested that it was a mistake to depose Saddam for just that reason. We got rid of a Sunni leader uh, and a Sunni government, which was kind of at war for 1,400 years, as you said, with Shiites, uh, and now it's majority Shiite in both places, and together they become more formidable. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no doubt about it, absolutely. Saddam Hussein was a scoundrel, he was a tyrant, but Iraq has never had any kind of democratic tradition, and there's certainly it has the situation has not been better since he's been gone. One thing he did was bring stability to that area of the world. Last thing. Um... President Trump said yesterday they were willing to kind of accept things as as being, you know, uh, uh, we're going to stop where we are. I'm, I'm phrasing that clumsily. My apologies. We're we're we're, we're going to hold off. We're going to we're not going to escalate this further. We're going to seek peace. We're going to hope that they seek peace as well, and we're going to we're going to negotiate a better deal from there. If the missile strikes had been more successful, and if they had killed an American or two or ten, would we and should we have? changed that track and said, we're not de-escalating now, we're coming at you with everything we've got. Yeah, I don't have any doubt that the president would have responded, and certainly that he should have responded. Remember the emblematic incident from a few years ago, when the Iranians took over and made these patrol boats and made our sa- paraded our sailors before the world, blindfolded, kneeling with their hands behind their backs. They intended to humiliate the United States, they did so. Obama did nothing but shower billions upon them in response. And so that only reinforced the idea 
that America was weak and would not respond to provocation. Trump has made it clear that he will, and that's all for the good. When you show that you will not respond to provocation, you get more provocation. When you show that you will strike back, then you have a chance to pacify the situation. Tremendous insight and analysis. Uh, Robert Spencer, the founder of Jihad Watch, uh, really appreciate you coming on. I hope you are uh, 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 having a very happy and healthy start to 2020. I know you had a little bit of a rough end of 2019 and you were unavailable, but I'm so glad you are now, Mr. Spencer. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope we can talk again soon. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. God bless. That's Robert Spencer from Jihad Watch. He is, uh, again, is, is, is good as it gets when it comes to understanding and analyzing and strategizing uh, the, the problems we have to deal with as it pertains to radical Islam, jihad, the Middle East, and uh, nation states like Iran. All right, it's 9.54. We're way late, and that's okay, because that was a great conversation. We'll catch up now and come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 9.58 now, obviously a very short segment here. Just a minute before we get to the top of the hour news. Don't forget, uh, Dr. Everett Piper joins us coming up in just a few. And on the other side of that, or I should say following that, uh, we're going to talk to Bob Paduchik of the RNC about uh, President Trump's visit to Ohio today. It's going to be a huge Keep America Great rally out in Toledo. Uh, my friend Steve Loomis is going to be going, and uh, our, as are a number of other people. I uh, had an opportunity to go, but I can't make it because I have family obligations involving a daughter in college. So uh, uh, we want to talk to Bob about what to expect from the president tonight. How much time will he spend on the Democrats coming after him on his decision on Soleimani? And, of course, we must discuss, and we'll talk to Bob, about the impeachment nonsense and the fact that Nancy Pelosi continues to withhold the articles of impeachment from the Senate and Mitch McConnell making it very, very clear we're not going to play this game very much longer. Uh, if we have to do what we have to do, we will. We will change the rules. We will go ahead and start this thing without a prosecution and thus end it immediately, uh, rendering it null and void. So uh, we're going to talk to Paduchik about that. And again, I know uh, there have been people on hold who have uh, given up because we have conversations scheduled. My apologies, but try to get in when you hear uh, a free segment, and we'll talk to you as well. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Our two.